Hi everyone and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm podcast episode 27. Today is a little special because uh, my guest uh, represents a charity uh, that I pledged my support to when I launched my little cookbook back in 2016 and um, this is a charity which is um, a is based in Northern Ireland uh, and B it's a charity that deals with one of the most complex issues of our time and that is mental health. And my guest is uh, one of the founders of Mind Your Maid and Yourself or My My based in Newcastle, County Down. It's Ray Cunningham. Hi Ray, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Ray, um, you founded this charity with your siblings, is that right? Yes, with my sister and a couple of other real special ladies, a lady called Maureen and a lady called Sharon. Um, many, <laughs> it's like 10 lifetimes ago. Um, but yeah, so we got together. Um, Jose was... Um, I, I, I attempted suicide about ten and a half years ago. After that, um, my life is still quite chaotic, and it wasn't an incentive enough for me to change um uh, or or address what was going on. But a short time after that, I lost my brother to suicide, and that for me was the the motivator, motivating factor for me to actually, um, to see what um I could do myself for me, because I've seen the the path of destruction that left behind um within our family. So. I then sought out help. Um, I went to a psychotherapist in Dungannon um, for a year and a half, which was phenomenal for me. But within a quite quite a short space of time, I seen how beneficial that was. Um, he helped me piece my life back together. He helped me make sense of what was going on within my own head. Um, and um, some real cool things started to happen. Um, I then was quite intrigued to see who else out there would have been in the position that I was in in the position that my brother would be in and who could um, benefit from the, the knowledge that I had received um, over that short space of time that I'd been going to see this guy. So I reached out to two friends and um, the both the, the three of us, um, I live in Castle Well, so myself and one other guy would have, uh, on a Thursday evening, would have drove to Belfast, lifted our, the, the, the third person, went to the Lone Lodge Hotel on a Thursday and we did something really unusual for guys and we sat around the table and spoke about what was going on within our lives um, and we started to um, share things that were really um, troubling us and um, things that we struggled to overcome and um, uh, and things that were going really well in our lives. So we found that through supporting each other um, through these experiences, not only how we felt about ourselves started to change but everything else in our life started to change, doors started to open. In regards to careers, relationships, um, started to um, grow from nothing. Um, but the, the, the in regards to relationships, for the first time in my life, I started to establish intimate relationships with people. So people got to see who I really was. Okay, I've never been able to establish an intimate relationship with anybody up until that point. Um, and then the group started to grow. Um, over the period, of, you know, short period of time that we were up there, and then I started another one in um, Castle Wellen. Um, and it was. A much older group of guys. Some guys that were there were from AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, so they had a good, good experience in regard sharing and talking about what was really going on within their lives. So that was a completely different um group the one we have in Belfast, but the purpose was just to support. And my sister then started a ladies um support group, a book club we called them, in um, Castle Allen, and they met once a month. 
So off the back of that then we put an advert in a local paper about um, an information evening. It was a, on a book that we were reading at the time but it was really regards um, health and support and what was out there. At that time we didn't think there was really any support um, or very little. We then put this together and with 30 people that turned up and um, there was a couple of ladies in this area doing some amazing work um, called um, Maureen and Sharon and, and we sort of all got together and um, we had people then through our support sort of did these wee evenings um, it was sorry mornings and a Saturday morning maybe once a month or once every two months and through that people were contacting us to see um, what support was out there either themselves in distress or someone they knew that was in distress and off the back of that then we um, sought out a, a counsellor more local and the charity I suppose was, was born from that we referred maybe one to two people a month to her at, and she was working at her own amazing woman called Louise and, and then Louise um, got, on, got on board with us and um, started to see the demand really increasing so it was one or two people a month to one or two people a week to one or two people a day to we're at the stage now we support thousands of people a year um, so it grew very quickly and over the last few years more more people have got to know about us and what we do the growth has just been huge you know the demand and the services is huge so that's a re very short <laughs> description of what sort of went on so how long now is it that uh, that my my exists? Approximately ten years, say uh, approximately ten years. That is a long time, mm. and it's um, um, yeah. That's you said you didn't say any specific number, but you mentioned that you guys support now thousands um of people a year. Mm -hmm. Do you just out of curiosity, do you actually have any statistics? Approximately, we would do about um two oh just over two thousand counselling sessions per year at the moment but it that was like say that was last year's figures this year the january past has been our busiest month ever for new people new 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 service users for specifically for counselling so we have had um, to give you an idea we had 26 new referrals in january so 26 people that come in off their own back or were referred to us from somewhere else so based on those 20, um, 20, 26 people, 26 I think, yeah, based on those 26 people, they could be with us for anything on average 12 sessions, 12 counselling sessions each. And um, so and that's already, um, and that is additional to what we're already doing at the moment. You know, so we've seen um, a huge uptake in our services just in January alone. But yeah, just over 2,000, maybe two one two two. Um, thousand counselling sessions on its own, and then on top of that, we run support groups. Um, um, every Wednesday we have a group of group of men that um go cycling in Castlewell Forest Park. Um, we have a arrangement with a um a, a centre in Castlewell Park called Life Adventure Centre, and they're like an out uh organisations that run um uh outdoor events and uh, um team building events for businesses and things like that. Great, great group. So the guys would um depending on their level of fitness, they'd go on different trails and we, we either provide an electric bike for them or uh, just a normal bike. Um, they have wee trikes now available. So that, that, that's that been um, something we've really put a lot of focus on over the last almost 10 or 12 months. Um, and it's been brilliant for people. It's been brilliant. So that's ongoing. And then we have a, a ladies um, group that we run now on a Monday. We run a ceramics class at the moment. So we have 15 people attending it, which has been brilliant. And then 
after that we plan to we we've got a, a again arrangement with Lake Adventure Centre for the ladies to to participate in the cycling as well for um I think we have three months secured for that. So we were able to do that through a funding, a bit of funding we got from a foundation in England. And um, that's something we're really excited about. So uh, along with our counselling, we uh, run support groups. And then also we run um, courses, self-care courses within the, within our area. They are going really well at the moment. So we've just finished one in a, a CrossFit gym in Castle Island. So we're approximately 45 to 50 people at that every week for four weeks. Um, one hour a week for four weeks. On Wednesday night, and then we're running one at present in a cafe in Newcastle called Railway Street Cafe, and it's half seven on a Saturday night, real inconvenient time, but we've been having approximately sixty people at it every turn up for it every week, which has been phenomenal. We've never experienced numbers like it before, you know, in regards to the CrossFit one near forty five to fifty, and Railway Street near you know around sixty people, which for what we do is phenomenal. We've seen more uptake in the courses that we do which is really cool the courses we sort of focus on i suppose is um self-care courses and what people can um, do for themselves more so than what we can look out for in other people you know um that's what we're sort of focused on at the moment taking attention because we find it very find it much easier to want to fix somebody else and take responsibility what's going on within our own lives so we take the focus off of that and, and, and help people take the focus to themselves whether it be somebody that's concerned with their children we help the person um, look after how they're dealing with that um, how they're coping within their own life our child is a direct reflection of what they see you know around them every day and, and it's predominantly it's it's the primary caregivers be it the parents parent uh, who maybe the child's maybe adopted so they'll learn from the adults around them or what they're surrounding themselves with so we try to get everyone to take their focus back to them that's enhanced their lives and then that will have effect on everything around them so we have a lot of self-care courses going on at the moment um, we'll probably run about 20 this year um, and two starting next Thursday and once uh, we've already in one of them we've already got 44 people 44 44 47 people booked in to our next one that we're running so we're seeing numbers now that we've never seen before in, in courses like this because the big thing that holds people back from it is that if I go to this, will somebody think there's something wrong with me? So it's a fear and perception. We're so concerned about what other people think of us. It's actually holding us back from becoming healthy ourselves or understanding what health actually is. So a lot of that. And then myself then, um, I um, would do talks in schools and businesses and around the country. You could be speaking to some, you know, a room full of people it could be 100 it could be 200 people it could be 10 you know so um it's quite hard to put an exact number on the actual amount of people that we're reaching but it's it's quite large you're doing an awful lot and the amount mm. of services that you provide it goes way beyond counseling obviously and i know from from what i've read before and from what i heard before you guys do reach way beyond the actually the mental aspect of it you mm -hmm. do, do you do recognize that that body and mind mm -hmm. is one and, and you have to kind of take care of both in mm -hmm. order to achieve balance but was it always like that i mean were you always from the beginning were mm -hmm. you aware of the fact that you have to eat right and you mm -hmm. have to be physically healthy in order to be actually mm -hmm. mentally all right and then you have to be mm -hmm. you have to, your mental health has to be um 
yeah. or right for, for your physical yeah. do you know were, were you aware of it from the beginning or is it something that you learned over time no it's the answer I wasn't aware of it at the beginning um, where my life was out of control for 25 years of my life and I thought to myself if I get that car or if I get that woman or if I get that them pair of shoes then I'll be happy um, and but very quickly um, I got to understand that if I was not looking after all the areas of my life. So tr- we, I've, um, uh, um, the, the subject of a few of my talks would be called, it was called the misunderstood perception of health. So we can perceive somebody in society today as being healthy as somebody that goes to the gym four or five, six days a week, somebody that possibly could run a marathon or half a marathon or was out running every evening or cycling every evening. Society can perceive those people as healthy, okay? Some of the people that we work with in here, some of the most unhealthy are those people, okay? Because the only thing they focus on is their physical health. I was there before my life where I trained, you know, five, six, seven days a week and still had that void inside me, um, that numbness. And I was, you know, on reflection, it was me trying to train the pain away. And no amount of training was doing what I needed to, you know, and you could see it within an alcoholic trying to drink the pain away or a drug addict trying to, or whatever. Um, but our courses, the courses that we are having huge success with at the moment are called um, PEPS, PEPS FIT, P-E-P-S FIT, and they stand for Physical, Emotional, Psychological and Spiritually FIT. And... Um, covers all aspects. Spiritual part of it can be a sticker for people because we can represent that with um, religion um, and some people um, are, are very um, passionate about the, about the religion, some aren't. Spiritual for us is just, it sort of governs everything um, and it's something whether it's a spiritual practice could for us could be practicing forgiveness. Okay, that could be a spiritual practice. Okay, um, and um, so it's very important that we don't um, really, we're not here to upset anybody in regards to their own beliefs. You know, my um, I'm not religious at all, but my, you know, my mum and dad, um, dad passed away a few years ago, but mum and dad are um, two devout Catholics, and they get so much from their practice. You know, and um, I am happy for them. You know, and my sisters as well. We include in a, in a physical side. It's. What exercise are you doing? How are you doing? Th- are you exercising safely? What are you putting into your body? How do we nourish yourself through our food? Um, and through what we're putting in, you know, what we're drinking, and you know, help people understand what they may be doing, and help them understand why they aren't in the place that they are, and they want to be within their life. Why aren't? Why they aren't there? So going through those four weeks, it can maybe start ticking boxes for people, and people just I didn't realize that. You know, I'm I'm not spending time on my emotional state. You know, we look at emotions as information, neither good or bad, you know, and then what can we learn from how I'm feeling right now? What in my life am I avoiding doing? You know, why am I feeling low? Is there something that I need to address that I'm not addressing? So they're information, you know, for feeling good, you know, geez, it's it's nice to do that. And, you know, what, is, what has got me to that point where I'm feeling good um, and how can I enhance that for 25 years of my life I wanted to literally die most of the time um, and um, where I, I, I said to my wife the other day that I can't remember the last day the, the last time I had a bad day you know I can't remember the last time for me that's because I work at my I work at those four aspects of my life every single day I take the time to do that every single day you know to take the time for myself in the mornings to 
get my head right. Um, to be grateful for the amazing things that I have in my life. And um, it's very easy to you know make excuses that just you know it's okay to do that, but you know, where would you get the time? Really think when what's important to you is my health and how I feel is very important is the most important thing to me out of everything. Um, so I will, you know, when we sit down and look at the day and say like, well, how much time did we spend watching the TV? How much time did we spend Facebook? You know, there are hours. You know, but we make excuses like, well, I don't have time. Or I'm too busy with children. I'm too busy. You know, it's it's easy to make an excuse. You know, um, but when you realise what's important, my health is my responsibility. It's not the doctor's. It's not my mice, it's not, it's mine, you know, and that's something that from coming back from suicide and losing my brother to suicide took me time to realise my own happiness is my responsibility. Once people grasp that, you know, become very independent then, you know, very confident, you know, and realise that we can do something about how we feel. And uh, I don't know if that answered your question or not. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> there is not much I can ask further or yeah. add to that. That's just, um, and that completely um, resonates uh, with my beliefs. And I, and I do have to say that it took me a very long time uh, for me to get to the point in my life when I realized exactly what you're saying, that my happiness is my own responsibility I, I can't nobody else nothing else is gonna make me happy yeah. I, I have to do it myself I have to work on myself and, and I have to and that what you said there that you take your time in the morning to reflect on what, what you're grateful for in your life I got to that point a few years ago and I uh, it just changed my life it is true we have to the moment you take your responsibility and then realize that Hey, actually, there is a lot of things you can do yourself. Nobody else is gonna do that for you. That's the moment when when you really have your own health in your own hands, and and it's up to you what you're gonna do with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose your obviously your question was about around um nutrition and um, as well as um the separation between um our mental health and our physical health. You know, or it's for want of a better word, it's insane to think that there is a separation there, you know, and because, um, you know, this is all one, you know, if my little toe is hurt, it affects my over whole state, you know, it affects everything, you know, and to think that, you know, our physical health doesn't have, you know, we can be, we can have a good mental health, but poor, poor physical health, it doesn't work, it's not one or the other, it's the whole you know, so if we are not um, looking after the whole, our whole, the whole entity, um, it, it just does not work, you know, so we need to nourish everything. Okay, so just even think about it in that regard, you know, the separation between mental health and physical health, it's just, in the environment we're in, I suppose, it's just expected for us to use mental health and well-being instead of health you know it's sort of you know contradictory to say those things it's just health but people the buzzwords at the moment i suppose is mental health and and um, well-being and things like that there where it's we really we look at health so if again if your little toe is hurt it affects you it affects you to some level it affects you different in fact me but the fact is so um, and, and, and that, that, that's the same with our mind if, if um, 
if we don't nourish our mind and the same way as we nourish our body through exercise and food, um, it it'll have a it'll 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 only work for a period of time, you know. Um, so it's health, the whole body, the whole body, you know. Absolutely, and you know, I'm actually currently reading a very interesting book. Um, I actually brought it with me because uh, I can't I can't really remember the, the title. Um, I heard about it on Dr. Chatterjee's podcast actually. Um. And it's called The Inflamed Mind, um, A Radical New Approach to Depression by Edward Bulmar. Okay. And actually, well, I've only started reading it, but um, it's, it's really mind-blowing. It basically links the physical inflammation in the body to uh, our mental state, but not in a way that we are used to. So as you said, you know, if something hurts mm -hmm. in your body or if, if anything is inflamed, we have an inflammation in our body. It makes us feel bad, but the way we normally think about it is because we, it, we feel down because we're in pain. Mm -hmm. But actually, what he, this book proposes is that there is an actual physical link between inflammation. That when something, when we have inflammation in the body, something happens, there is a reaction within our brain that actually causes us to feel the way we feel that it it is actually the inflammation in its root rather than us thinking about oh i'm hurt and being yeah. feeling down about that yeah. it's it's really interesting and yeah. it to me it makes absolute yeah. sense it makes sense it does you know it's if any part of the body is affected it'll have an effect on our state but it's important to know that if it is if i do have a sore toe you know um if it will pass you know if i look after that if i have to stay off my feet for a period of time, it will be okay, you know, and things will be fine. Um, and it's the same with one of the, you know, I'm fond of my quotes, I suppose, but a quote that has always sat with me is that understanding that this this too shall pass. If we're, in, if we're going to do something tough within our lives, always understand that this will pass. The world that we're in today, I suppose, you know, everything has been marketed in regards, get this, and then you'll be happy. Buy this, and then you'll be happy. You know, we've created the dream of owning your own home, you know, like, and people go to all lengths to be able to be in the position to buy into this dream, you know, and then we will be happy. Or, for instance, Tanya and I got married over a year ago there, and um, we were very aware that everyone says your wedding day goes by in the blink of an eye, and our day did. Anything that we do, we whether it be just have a wee girl now, whether it's the whole pregnancy or the build up to the wedding, every single day to that, we enjoyed. You know, if it was if I were going to buy, organize and get my shoes, for instance, to the wedding, that was a that was a day for us, and we made the most of that. You know those experiences, and you know it's as you know that you know it's 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 to the mountain top as you if you know yourself, it's that whole journey swimming in the lake. You know. The, all the build up to that it, it's not we get to the mountain top and wow that you're blown away by the beauty obviously but it was a whole experience but what you accomplished okay it's accomplishing things for ourselves getting up in the morning going to the gym get going being in the gym and training isn't the hard thing the hard thing is getting out of the your bed walking out through the door you know the the, the workout itself no matter what sort of um, training you do the workout itself is sort of secondary it's getting yourself there you know and when you get yourself there 
you can that's a tick you know you've done that you've accomplished that you know getting yourself out of bed in the morning and, and going doing something good for yourself is um is really really special so it's always all about my what i do a part of what i do is intervention because somebody will call me and say they're either suicidal or tried to take their own life and i've done a lot over the last 10 years once I know that somebody has made that has reached out to me and, and I've arranged to meet them and for them to come to see me, people ask me how do I feel like it's so excited because I know for a fact, no matter where they're at of what they've tried to do up until that point, I know that they want to live. There's something in them that they want to live. Whether they believe it themselves or not, and, and how do I know it's because they made a phone call, you know, and they got themselves to me and I know that I I fully, to the core of me, can understand where they're at, why they've chosen to do what they have, or why they're thinking of doing, because I was there. But my message is to them is that I'm not there anymore. I wake up in the morning with a smile on my face. Uh, miracles happen for me daily basis, you know, and, you know, bridges that I had burnt in my past have now been rebuilt. You know, with people, there's nothing, there's not one person on this earth that I do not like. I may not agree with what they have to say, but I have no bad feeling towards them. Um, so the same when, when I'm with somebody, you know, I don't say to them, look how amazing my life is, but I help them realise what where they are within their lives. If they follow some of the suggestions that I'll make, it's completely up to them, that life can be anything that they want it to be. You know, life can be, like we have a wee girl there, 16 weeks, you know, if I had a died, you know, she wouldn't have been here today. You know, I'm married to an absolutely beautiful person, you know, who keeps me right, who calls me out and things, you know, and challenges me all the time. And most of the time I don't like it, you know, but she challenges me, she keeps me right. But if I, um, if we, we, we have this thing that me and my wife believe 100% that this is an absolutely amazing and beautiful world to be born into. You know, we believe that. Uh, and um, uh, and it is you know it is and this is coming from somebody that sees so much hurt and pain within people daily but I believe once they make, make sense of that jargon within their own head follow some of the suggestions that we would make here their life can be anything you know and we've had this so many success stories that we've heard over the years that just blew your mind you know it's really really special make me cry <laughs> you I, I just love your approach to 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 as you said health I, I'm reluctant to say mental health now yeah. because you're totally right yeah. it is everything there's one thing I would like to ask because you said pretty much everything I wanted to ask about about all the aspects of um, of, of treating um, these kind of issues and, and how um, you guys help people you pretty much answered all of that but um, you obviously had to undergo some training to be able to develop all these mm -hmm. programs and um, well you obviously have a team of people mm -hmm. and counsellors yeah. and professionals who help you to do that. But uh, what kind of training did you have to go through and, and what was the process? Like how do you develop a new mm -hmm. course or how do you come up with new ideas of mm -hmm. how to help people? Yeah. So we have um we have an absolutely amazing team here, you know, from Michelle who is our service coordinator, um uh, 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 who the first person you'd see has really added so much to the charity over the last I suppose maybe possibly eight months that she's been here. And Jill's somebody as well that doesn't have a problem calling me out either, which is great. Um so that's something I have to I've been really working hard on myself 
it's uh, um, uh, it's it's okay to say I don't know. I'm not sure, and um, but I can find out, you know, and, and um, always exploring the things that that give me if somebody challenges me in something and 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 I feel that I need a, a jerk reaction and, and you know and that's something I'm working on. We have a a, a, a amazing guy, Damien, who's our um, fundraising manager. It's a lovely guy. It's, I've always sort of said to people that um, if I ever wanted anybody to close their eyes and think about the charity, it would be thinking about Damien. You know, he's just a lovely person. Um, and um, we have then our lead counsellor is a lady called Tanith, um, who's an amazing person um, and, and is really genuine and the, the work that she does here is just phenomenal, it goes far and beyond what what her contract actually says um, and we have um, an amazing group of counsellors that um, I bumped into a girl the other day and um, we have a young counsellor here called Nicola Bumped, bumped into a girl in Main Street um, and says look I just want to let you know that I'm actually um, getting counselled by Nicola and um, and says the difference that this young girl has made in my life over the last few weeks has just been phenomenal. Now I didn't know this person you know but she knows me from seeing the face in paper or whatever and um, she says the young girl is um, she, she says she's about the same age as me Nicola she says and I didn't know how I would um, respond to that because you normally like getting taught by somebody that's older than you think they're more educated and more like more life experience. But Nicholas would be the same age as me. He says, but it's really made such a huge difference in my life. And for me, that's what it's all about here. And strangers coming up and telling me things like that's just amazing. And we have a group of real, real good um, um, counsellors that um, really, really do so much great work here. You know, so for what I play a small part within the charity, you know, and it's the team that. It's all unforeseen work that goes on behind the scenes that you really have to take your hat off to. Um, I'm just proud to be part of it and we have an amazing committee. People from all different backgrounds, you know, and really they don't just show up for committee meetings, they actually get their hands dirty, get stuck in and and, um, and and help out whichever way they can, not just come for a couple of hours of committee meeting every sort of six or eight weeks. And then we have... Um, we have our, our, our volunteers, some real special people that genuinely just want to help the community, which is really cool. So in regards to um, the courses, we the, the guy, the, the PEPS FIT courses that we run at the moment are delivered by my psychotherapist, the guy that I went to all those years ago. The reason why we've been working with him quite a bit over the last number of years is because when we started the charity, he used to drive from Dungannon. We didn't have any money at the start, you know, but used to drive from Dungannon and, and deliver courses and talks for us for nothing for, for years, you know. So the last couple of years we've received funding from another body in, 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 in England and, and to allow us to deliver these courses. Myself, um, I've done a few courses, but I educate myself every day, at least five to six days a week. There's a few specialists that I believe in. I believe, their, believe in their message. Um, doctor in Canada, doctor in America two doctors in America and um, I am really really interested in their message and it makes sense to me um, and um, that's what I would apply when I'm doing my talks and, and, and my own experience you know so it's important to the key is is to be able to understand somebody and not just on a psychological basis not just the basis of the mind but also to understand them emotionally so I can understand why that alcoholic cannot stop drinking. You know, I can understand why, you know, that 
drug addict is doing what they do, you know, I can understand that. But it's very easy and quick to judge people for, you know, why does, does he not or does she not just love, love her family enough to quit that? It's just not as easy. I was born in an alcoholic environment where my father had um, used alcohol, you know. He stopped drinking when I was 11 or 12. And my father was the most amazing man in the world. When I picture how I want to love my child is how my father loved us. The problem with my father is that he didn't take care of himself. He just wanted to make it right with us and he spent the rest of his life looking after us, taking care of us. But he had no self-care and ultimately that he died died when he was 60 by a heart attack, you know, and he was just, he could never get over my my, my brother's loss, lost my brother, and um, I just spent his life like, just make sure we're, he says, I'm fine as long as you're happy. So he didn't look after himself, you know, and um, so that's why I'm quite passionate about for me, looking after myself, my self-care is priority, and, um, you know, and our courses that we're on, it's all about self-care for the individuals. If we're working in schools, we you know, teachers generally want you in to work with the kids, but we say no. Let's work with the teachers first. Let's see that you're serious about it, and then over a period of time, then we'll start working with the children. So it takes the um, focus back to self all the time. Always me, you know, get me myself in a position where I can cope, you know, where I can deal with these things. The team in here is just phenomenal, you know. And Wednesday mornings are quite morning for us until the guys come in from cycling. And then the house is it's a madhouse. <laughs> Excuse the pun, mad, but it's a it's very busy then and then and the evenings are full tilted within the, the counselling and there's so many amazing things you know and, and we um with support with people like yourself we we hope to continue to grow and offer more services. I um I am so amazed and and I can't agree more like self care and self love. It's just so important and you know years ago I would have perceived these things as being selfish and when I was a child we were taught that you know thinking about yourself is selfish, you yeah. have to think about other people but actually no, you have to start with yourself because for years I didn't love myself, I didn't, I didn't like myself, I didn't respect myself, I didn't like the person I was and but if you don't love yourself how can you expect yourself to love another human being? I mean, you have to find a way to love and understand yourself and care about yourself. And, and then when you are in a, in a position when you're good, yeah. you can then think about others and, and you'll give others more yeah. that way. Yeah. And, and I, I am just really sad that I didn't come to that discover it a lot sooner you're here, you're here now you're here. you could be 60 and or 70 or 80 and only realize it you know you're here yeah. now you have to be grateful for that and um you can't fully give love to another person if you don't have it yourself we would say to parents all the time what's the most important thing in your life say if the parents come to see us or say can you come see, contact me and say can you come speak to my son he's in a bad place you know and for instance i i would only meet the both parents if there is two parents I would say, look, I need to speak to you first, and then we'll go and speak to them first. So I would ask them, what's the most important thing in your life? And they'd say, oh, or, or children. And I says, well, that's why I'm here. I says, because you're not looking after yourself. Well, how do you mean? What do you mean? Do you, are you saying we don't love our children? It's not you know, a question of um, love for their children. It's a question of them not looking after themselves. So our ch children are a reflection of what goes on in their environment. So their children are a reflection of what goes on at home. 
are we available to our children? So we see today that um, within sort of the second third, second and third trimester within pregnancy. So what I'm passionate about is children, okay, and 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 parenting and and um, how do we see, I suppose, the suicide rates dropping within our country and within around the world. There's a few things that I believe in. Firstly, is helping parents understand the importance of being available and present. So sort of the second and third trimester in pregnancy is when the child's um, subconscious mind starts to, to develop. And then their mind's divided into two parts, a subconscious and a conscious conscious mind. So we're having a conscious conversation. Our conscious mind is where our creativity comes from, our you know, thinking mind, our ideas and things like that. Our conscious mind, our conscious mind, our subconscious mind is everything else. But also in the subconscious mind, that's where we um, learn the beliefs about the world. Okay, so we learn either the world is a safe place or an unsafe place. We learn that putting your hand in the fire is a good thing or a bad thing. You know, these things are programs that we have studied. They're all programs. So we can look at our, our subconscious mind as like a tape player. So we're recording everything that we see around us for the first seven years approximately within life. Okay, And then for the rest of our lives, we're operating from them programs. So our subconscious mind, that's why people struggle to create new habits or why people struggle with um, reducing their weight. It's because that our subconscious mind is one million times more powerful than our conscious mind. So we get up today, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to go about life in a different way. By lunchtime, you know, your, your, your thinking has gone back to where it was the day before. So between 80 to 90% of the thoughts that we think today are the thoughts that we thought yesterday, the day before, and more than likely the thoughts we're going to think tomorrow. The problem with that is most of them don't serve us. There aren't thoughts of compassion, there aren't thoughts of possibility, there aren't thoughts of optimism. There can generally be negative thoughts because there are other people's beliefs, primarily our parents. Okay, So when we're downloading the behaviour that we see of our parents, so I have to understand in regards, if we are telling our children that this you can come and talk to me if something happens. Out of all um, communication, only 6% of it is verbal. So if you're telling a child that no matter what, you can come and talk to me, okay, 6% of that is really going into their mind. But do they need to see that the home is a safe place? And how they, this is just very short description, how they are able to do that is that if they see mummy and daddy, if there is mummy and daddy, or mummy and mummy or daddy or daddy, or, or whatever. If they say, for instance, okay, be completely sexist, daddy come home from work, okay, and mummy's there, and um, mummy asks daddy, how was your day? And said, you know, daddy had a tough day at work. Daddy being able to sit at the table with mummy and say, you know what, it was really tough. You know, I just find it extremely draining and such and such was pain in the arse, and, or, uh, you know, I was thinking about my mum today and I really miss her. She, you know, or, or his mum died, for, for example, and really miss her. Just feel a crying and the next thing, daddy cries in to, uh, with mummy. And then um, the children see this. What's that telling the child? That's telling the child that this place, this home, around this table, is a safe place for me to share how I feel. This is a safe place for me to cry. 
if I need to cry. This is a safe place for me. Daddy said something really serious to Mummy and Mummy didn't go berserk. She says, okay, okay, let's see how we work through this. You know, so by doing those simple things, when we look at, we're looking at Mummy and Daddy actually doing, not just saying, they're actually doing, and hugging and caring and crying, all of these emotions, um, all of these actions happening, and that that's what our children learn from. But because, sadly, today you've heard things yourself that big boys don't cry, big girls don't cry, you know, toughen up. All of those things, it's its not allowing us to be who we are. We are emotional beings, you know, and um, it's important that we express that. But if we're not being shown that, which most parents, you know, um, have not been shown when they were growing up. Some cases they are, but most parents have not been shown that when they were children. That's what they pass on to their kids then. And it's not about they don't love their kids enough. It's it's just about that the way the children learn is different to what we think. They don't need a big house. The kids don't need fancy cars. They don't need big holidays. They just need the parents to be there. So when they're there, their phones must go down. Phones mustn't be near them. The TVs must be off. So what we're showing the kids is that you're important. You're the most important thing to me and uh, above everything else. But in society today, because people aren't putting their self-care as a priority, when mummy and daddy come home from work, all they want to do is zone out, you know, watch the soaps, watch the news, flick through Facebook. So they their phone in their right hand, flicking through Facebook, holding their child in their left hand, saying to their child, you know, I loved you, I missed you, I hope you had a nice day. What are you telling your child? You're not even making eye contact with them. You're telling your child you're not important enough for me. So this is how insecurities develop. So we're looking at the around the first three years within in childhood. I heard a thing there recently um, from an amazing guy. He says, get the first three years right, and the child will go in and go out and live a happy, healthy, confident life. Get them wrong, he says you'll be spending the rest of your life looking for remedies for the first three years. Which I find very interesting. Okay, and um, and and over the people, the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people that I've seen through um intervention calls over the last you know number of years it's it's always interesting to, to to listen to relationships at early childhood with the parents some people absolutely love most of them absolutely love their parents because their parents were so stressed so busy and they weren't emotionally available to the kids the kids were learning that i am not important enough i am not important enough for these um uh, adults to be with me so that's where insecurities develop. So we've all maybe experienced insecurities within relationships. You know, our insecurity can tend, a tipping point for most a lot of people to take their own life could be like a relationship breakup. A lot of times it's relationship, you know. And I've been there, you know, I can't survive without this person, you know. I'm really old, got I'm 25 now, and who am I? Um, no one will ever want me when they know who I really am. All of these things. They actually, it's nothing to do with the relationship, it's relationship isn't the core of why that is there because you'll find that the person that has experienced that unless they address that they'll have that will be repeated through each relationship and um, they'll find that they'll, they'll do the same things who she texts and who she texts and you know she's too good looking for me and she'll be away or this that or the other but we'll find that that is as a result of um, the parents or parent not being emotionally available for that child Telling that child at an early age you're not important enough, 
Does, is that what the parent really believes? Of course not. The parent would do anything for the child. This is how children learn. It's about being present. So 100 years ago, <clears throat> we didn't have the you know, same distractions now that we did, you know, with the phones and TVs and stuff like that. And every day the family sat around the table. It was a ritual, you know. How have we come from where we are at night, where, you know, where we were a hundred years ago? Like, people used to grow their own vegetables. The kids actually understood where carrots came from, potatoes came from. What do we do then? And paired together, if not a family, primarily it was the mother. But the children were seeing this happening. And it was a ritual and then they sat around the table in that community. So community is so key, so vital. Most of us are lost, most of us come so disassociated with things, so isolated. Isolation kills so many people. We were seeing Stanford, Stanford University did a real cool piece of research in regards what was the most optimal environment for a child to be brought up into. It turned out of all environments, it was the tribe. Like tribe, like, these people don't even shoes. The optimal environment for a child to develop into a competent adult was the tribe because when the parent or when the child is born into a tribe, it's not just the responsibility of the parents to bring the child up, it's the responsibility of the tribe. The adults, the elders, all get involved in this and all help develop the child, which is really, really cool. So you don't have to have all the money in the world to develop a confident person, a child, you know, you just need to be there for them. It's really cool. I can't believe it. You, you just literally, in under 15 minutes, you explained all my health problems. <laughs> it's all connected, you know. It's unbelievable, mm. absolutely. Um, do you want to take a break? Okay. Believe it or not, Ray and I talked for nearly two hours, which would be a little bit too much for one episode, methinks. So... As is becoming the habit, we are going to take a break here and continue um, this episode next time. If you want to get involved with my my whether to use their services or to recommend someone to use their services or as a volunteer or a donor, please visit www.mymy.org.uk. And it's time for our usual recipe. Um, Ray did share a recipe, but uh, we will leave it for the second part of our interview. And um, I guess you'll just have to make a do with my own humble recipe idea. Today, I have a very simple, very versatile and seasonal recipe. I hope Heiko's listening and feeling very proud. And uh, we'll be making celeriac mash. It's really simple, super tasty, very easy to digest and really nutritious side dish which you can serve with pretty much anything you want, whatever your diet or eating habits are. And it really is super easy. You need just one medium celeriac, 10 to 15 grams of coconut oil or you can use any other good quality cold pressed organic oil of your choice like extra virgin olive oil, walnut oil, pumpkin seed oil, whatever takes your fancy. Then you'll need 20 plus milliliters of dairy free milk. I personally use uh, cooking coconut milk because the combination of coconut and celeriac is simply awesome. 
wait when you taste it, you'll understand what I mean. Um, then you'll need some sea salt and some dried oregano. If you can get your hands on fresh oregano, use fresh one. And if you don't like oregano, just so you know, in my humble opinion, you're a weirdo. But you can totally leave it out. Now, peel the celeriac and cut it into small chunks and steam it for up to 15 minutes until it's soft and mushy. Then just put it in a bowl and mix in the oil. If you're using coconut oil, keep stirring it until the oil fully melts. And then add the coconut milk, which will give you super, super creamy texture. Um, so use as much as you like. I find that about 20 to 30 milliliters is enough. You really need just a little bit. But um, you can use more if you, um, if you like. It really depends on how creamy you like your mash to be. Really make sure you're using the one for cooking. It is thicker and has more fat content and it's just gonna make it taste super awesome. And then just season it with some salt and oregano if you're using oregano and um, serve it preferably still warm. And that's it. It's super easy. It takes no more than 20 minutes to put this together and it really is tasty. And the last time I made it, I didn't even bother using it as a side dish. I just ate it as a snack on its own from the bowl and I ate the whole thing. That's how tasty it is. And if you never had celeriac in your life, seriously, you haven't lived. And this is the perfect recipe to introduce this really amazing vegetable into your life so um, go and get a celeriac like right now remember that you can find all our shared recipes to date on our facebook group page in the file section where you can download them in a pdf form and you can also find them all on instagram if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a comment on soundcloud or a review on itunes Ratings are so important for content creators, you have no idea. It pushes our content up the ladder and makes it more available to those who don't know us yet. So please, please spare a couple of minutes and leave us a um, leave us some ratings. And uh, that'll be it for this episode. So have a lovely couple of weeks and remember to take care of yourself and do something just for you because it will help you with the most important task at hand to stay healthy until next time bye as every week your host is myself Susanna from the sweet spot music by mark j adair and artwork by Gemma o'hagan thank you for listening Thank you.